0: I don't know how many of you make New Year's resolutions or if any of you have heard any good ones, but let me just share a couple with you that maybe you want to adopt for yourself and think about. I will no longer waste my time worrying about the past. Instead, I'll start worrying about the future. Or maybe you'd like to, I resolve to work with neglected children, my own. I will stop answering LOL every time I hear a joke. I love my family so much, I'm not going to cook anymore. Like the previous 14 years, I will again promise to stop procrastinating. And this is my favorite. I will quit having dinners for two when I am alone. <laughs> you know, we, we laugh and we make fun of resolutions. Very few of us take them seriously anymore if we even think about them. Uh, the one resolution that a lot of people make is I, my resolution this year is that I'm not going to make any resolutions as we think about it and as we look at it. And yet, there's something about resolutions or about the idea behind resolutions that we really need to think about. It's, It's a word that we're often uncomfortable with. It's called commitment, to be committed to something, to place ourselves in a position in which we have determined that we will commit our lives to something that's important and something that we want to follow through with and be a part of that as we look at it and as we understand that. With What's going on around us and the things that are there and so we want to see that and I want to just share I think there's a passage that really helps us see that in in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25 And and we see there God's actions toward us And, and with from that we have four resolutions that we can make for this new year that I believe would be helpful for us all the time if we think about them and see them as we look at them and understand the reality of what they mean in our lives from day to day. Even the songs today speak to these resolutions that I want to mention in a moment as we get to them, and and really not so much resolutions, but, but commitments. Because I am a child of God, because of what God has done for me, there are some things that I ought to want to do. There are some things that ought to be a part of my life on a regular basis as we think about that and look at it. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read from the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, and listen carefully to what it says. The first part, again, reminds us as a resolution, therefore, therefore, and then whereas, uh, we the resolutions that we make as we think about it together. But the Scripture says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love in great deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think together about a new year and all that it holds before us and the potential that is there, we do thank you and rejoice in the things that you've blessed us with in this past year. And we know there's been a lot of struggles, a lot of heartache, a lot of problems in the past year, and yet you've been faithful through it all. And we just thank you for that and and pray that you just help us keep our focus upon you and remember who you are and how you're working in our lives and how you're able, if we're willing to allow you to, to take everything in our life and, and bring about something to good, which is for your glory and for our being more and more like the character of the Lord Jesus Christ that you desire for us. But Father, as we look toward a new year, and we know we only have today, this is all that we have, and we're not to worry about tomorrow and all the things that are there, and yet there's a sense of need in our lives as God's people to to commit ourselves that we want to do the best that we can. We want to be the best that we can for your glory and and for the sake of the world in which you've placed us in. We desperately need to live out our faith. We, We need to be the kind of people that you've called us to be. And so, Father, I pray that as we think about these, this passage and, and the revelation it gives to us about who you are and what you've done for us and what that means in our response to you, I, I pray that we'll settle down in our hearts, we'll just mark it down, and, and we'll determine to the best of our ability by your grace to make these things a reality throughout the year and it, that you give us, and I pray that in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. You know, as, As we hear this, as I said, the the, the resolution starts with what God has done and what He's being a part of as we think together with Him and and the works going on with Him and things that are happening with Him. And the Scripture tells us, first of all, whereas we have confidence to enter into the sanctuary. See, when we think about that, we we need to understand what it's saying. You go back to the Old Testament and you'll remember in the Old Testament that the the temple was a very holy, holy place and, and it was a place... When you got to the holy place and into the holy of holies, that was very restricted. And Even the idea of the presence of God was was fearful to the people that were involved in in worship of God and things that were going on. They wouldn't even say his name because they were, it was so holy and so reverent in the things that are going on and being a part of it. And those who could enter, a priest once a year could enter into the Holy of Holies, and he did so with great fear. He had to go through all kinds of purifications, had to have all kinds of things happen and being a part of it, and then they would even tie a rope around him as he went into the Holy of Holies in case he did something that he wasn't supposed to do while he was in there, and he got, was killed because of, of being irreligious in, their, in the presence of God, and they could at least pull him out because they couldn't go in and get him, or they would die as well. It was such a holy thing. It was, it was something that was special for just one person a year and the things that were there and all the things that were going on. But because of what Christ has done for us, what God did in Jesus Christ, when Christ came, the Bible says that now you and I know that we can enter into the very presence of God with confidence. We can come into His presence with expectation. We can come without fear, without trembling. We can come without worry or concern whatsoever. Whereas God has allowed us now to be in His very presence because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Because God now allows us into His presence. We can come boldly into the very presence of God as we look at it and as we see. But not only that, but whereas the sanctuary now, the veil has been torn. The Bible tells us, as you will remember that when Jesus Christ was crucified, the veil of the temple was ripped in half from top to bottom. And that's important because that means God did it, not man. I mean, no man could have torn. no man could have torn it in the first place because of the way it was made, but no man could have reached it, but God ripped it open. And the presence of God makes, it makes us enter into that presence without any problem. Jesus Christ being the veil that was separate. that now we can come into his presence because of what he did. So, whereas God, now we enter into his presence. We, we have the privilege to not be separated from God ever again, but that we can walk with God. And finally, he said, whereas Jesus Christ is our high priest, this is what he's done. He's the bridge builder. He's the one that takes us from our sinful state of life into the presence of God in the holiness of his forgiveness and all that is there for us as we look at it. So whereas God now has made it possible for you and for me to enter into the presence of God, to know that we are welcome into His presence, that we can boldly stand before Him without fear, without concern, without anything else, not upon ourselves, not upon our worthiness, but upon what Jesus Christ has done, and the worthiness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, we now can enter in and know that we have a presence with God, and that we have Him with us at all times, and we don't have to be fearful of Him. We, we need to be reverent, certainly, but we don't have to be afraid of Him. But we can come before Him as our Father, and we can speak with Him one-on-one, and we can talk with Him, and we can request from Him, and He listens to us, and He's concerned about us, and He comes to us because He loves us. These are the things that He's done on our behalf. He has made it possible now for us to come into the very presence of the Holy God and know Him. So what does that mean for you and for me? Well, there's four things that stand out in that scripture as we look at it and as we see that I want to focus on this morning for us to look and understand and think about together for this day and and whatever many days God gives us in this coming year as we live and as we walk our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he says to us, first of all, whereas God has done these things, let us draw near to God. Now that would be a foolish request if he hadn't already done what he did by making it possible for us to do that. That we couldn't come near to God before because He was holy and He was separated from mankind. And it, the temple represented His presence, but we couldn't come into the very presence of God. But now the writer of the book of Hebrews says to us, because what God has done in Jesus Christ, we can come to Him. And so let us make a commitment. Let us make a decision today that we're going to spend our life being near to God. We're going to draw near to God. That means we're going to want to worship God. That means we want to know Him better. That means we want to love Him more. That means I want to get to so in- in- involved in in the knowledge of God that I, I find myself awakening day by day with the wonder and the awe of what a great, great God we are. How great thou art, God. It's an amazing song, and it's what we need to feel. That's the idea of the worship that we need to have, the idea that you and I need to be worshiping God day in and day not just on Sundays, but all the time. We need to have that attitude of being near to God. The Bible tells us in the book of James that if we draw near to God, He draws near to us. We have that sense of the awareness of the presence of God and all that He's doing in our lives. There's not a day that goes by that we can live, that we have to live without the knowledge that He's with us, that His presence is with us, whether we're at work, whether we're at play, whether we're at school, whether we're just driving along the way, wherever we are, God's presence is with us because He inhabits us. He indwells us by the power of His Spirit. And so the, the challenge is that we draw near to God. You know, sometimes we're afraid of of relationships. We don't want to get involved with someone or we don't want to put ourselves out there. We we don't want to try to get too close to someone because we're always afraid we'll get hurt. We're afraid they won't accept us. They won't see us as we really are. They'll hurt us in some way, and so we don't want to be involved. But we don't have to worry about that with God. See, God came to us. We didn't go to him. He came seeking us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And God loves us so very much that He put His Son upon the cross that He might die for our sins and provide for us the everlasting forgiveness of God and be a part of that time. And God loves you and He loves me. And so we don't ever have to be afraid of coming into His presence and and talking to Him because He never rejects us. He never turns His back upon us. He he never looks upon us as those who are unworthy because He sees us through the Son, Jesus Christ and through the blood that was shed for us and we become welcome to Him. we can draw near to him always with confidence and always with hope because he loves us so very much we draw near to him because we know that he tells us that our sins have been forgiven and he will remember them no more see i don't come to god with that fear and the realization i'm so unworthy and i have no right and i have no i, I can't ever see god i can ever be with god no, i can come boldly before the presence of god god you're my father and i can do that because of what jesus christ did See, not anything about me I didn't do anything I can't do anything but Jesus Christ did it all he he, he did everything that needed to be done and God when I said when I said I'm a sinner and I'm not worthy of you but I I plead the blood of Jesus would you just forgive me of my sins and, and would you accept me and would you just be my Lord and Savior and he said absolutely absolutely I will And you're my child And I can stand in his presence, and I can be loved by him because of all that he's done. So that's what he's saying to us, folks, is that we need to have an attitude of worship that goes with us through all the time because we can be with God all the time. We can experience him, we can know him, we can love him, and we can know that he loves us no matter what. Even when we fall short, even when we sin, he still loves us. What a great God he is. But not only does he say, let us draw near to God, but he says, let us hold unswervingly To the hope that we have. And there he's talking about our faithfulness. Standing on the promises. Believing what God says are true. God's been faithful to us. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He gave us a savior. He provided us a means of forgiveness. He gave us the opportunity to be restored in a relationship with him that could never be severed again. He gave us a promise of a home that is ours that we can look forward to and anticipate and and know that nothing can happen to shatter it or be a part of that. We hear, uh, even you heard this morning about Dr. Nall's house burning down and, and being lost. We don't have to ever fear what God has prepared for us. Nothing can destroy it. Nothing can touch it. It's ours. And so as God is faithful to us, we are to be faithful to him. That's one of the commitments that we need to make this year. God, I, I want to be faithful to you. Not just when everything's going good. Not just when everything's the way I want it to be. Not just when I feel good. But God, I want to be faithful to you in the worst of my days, in the worst of my moments. I want to be faithful to you whether I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley. God, I want to be faithful to you whether I'm at home, or whether I'm at work, whether I'm at play, whether I'm at school, wherever I am. I want to be faithful. Day in and day out, I want my faith to be consistent before you. As we look at it, that's what what he's saying here. And then he goes on to say beyond that, not only do we draw near to God and not only should we be determined to be faithful before God, but he says, let us spur one another toward love and good deeds. A commitment that you and I need to have this year is a commitment to encouraging one another. See, we ought to be that. Just ought to be what we nail down today. We ought to just say, from this day forward, I am going to be an encourager in my family. I'm going to be an encourager in my work. I'm going to be an encourager at school. I'm going to be an encourager when I'm just around people in town and whatever's going on. I'm going to especially be an encourager in church. I'm not going to see. Some of us believe that we were born into the cold water committee. That we're just supposed to be throwing cold water on everybody every chance that we get. We don't want to encourage people. We don't want to lift them up. We, if anybody gets excited about something, we say, well, here, I can put that fire out. Don't worry about it. We don't want people to... Be, you know, that's not who we're supposed to be. See, our commitment is to be encouragers. That means to be putting strength into people. That means to be lifting people up. That means to be saying to them, I see in you the possibilities of all that God wants you to be. That we have to look beyond the surface in some of our lives, and, and we have to see that, that God loved each and every one of us, and God has a plan for each and every one of us, and a purpose for each and every one of us, and we're all valued in God's eyes, and we ought to be valued in one another's eyes, and we ought to understand that what we need every single day is more encouragement. That's what we, you know. So many people, I, I know them, and you know them, have have failed in life and have lived miserable lives because they were told from the beginning, as children and as young people, and even as adults, that they weren't. Worth a flip. They could never succeed. They weren't going to make it. They were stupid, all kinds of words. And they lived down to the expectations that put people put on them. That's not who we are. We're the people of God. We're the children of the King. We are to be the kind of people that pour into people courage and enthusiasm and hope, the belief in themselves that they can be what God wants them to be and that they can live the life. And so because that God has let us come into his presence, because he's opened the door of his heart and he said, come in through Jesus Christ and we can come by the power of the death and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ into the very presence of God. And because he indwells us and we are with him at all times, therefore let us love one another to good deeds. Serve one another. the, The idea is that we ought to be in a contest with one another. To see which one of us can encourage the other one more. Every single time we see I can encourage you more than you can encourage me. Oh, no, you can't. I can do it better than you. I can encourage you. It ought to just be, we ought to be encouragers all the time, looking at it and being a part of it. And there's not a, one of us that here, that there are not days in our lives when what we need more than anything else is someone to give us a word of encouragement, to lift us up, because we had a really bad day, our week, our month. And we need somebody to come along. That's who we are as God's people. And that's what he's saying. So our commitment in, in the year is to be encouragers. To be one, those who go together. And then finally he says not only that, but not to forsake, for, for assembling ourselves together. See, God knows that we need one another. There is nothing you can find in the scripture that ever allows for a solitary life in Christ. There's no long, long range of Christians. If God is your heart, has your heart, if you truly know him as your father, then the longing of your heart is to be with his people. To be together. See, We spend our lives trying to come up with as many excuses as possible why we shouldn't go to church. I'm busy. I'm tired. It's the only day I have off. I don't like the preacher, I don't like the singing, the temperature's never the way I want it to be, the weather's hot, the weather's cold, I need to eat sooner than I get out because of the long-winded preaching that goes on, whatever the case, we have all kinds of excuses, I got company coming, I don't know when they'll be here, it may be next week, but I can't go because they might show up today. We've got all kinds of reasons why we won't go, but the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the world does, That's what it says, as others are doing, but we're people of God. We're a family, and we want to be together, and we should rejoice in the opportunity to be together and to be a part of it. And so part of our commitment is to make a decision in our hearts right now. You see, when I wake up on Sunday morning, I don't ever have to think, am I going to go to church today or not? You say, well, you get paid to be here. Well, that's beside the point. What we we need to know is that I have made a commitment in my heart that I'm going to go to church because that's where God wants me to be because that's where you are, my brothers and my sisters. And I want to be with you. And it's, it's not something I have to debate every Sunday morning. It's, it's a settled issue. You see, th- today you ought to say, as long as it is in my power, I'm going to be with God's people in church week in and week out. Not because it makes me a better Christian, although it does, because it get, helps you to grow. It helps you to be discipled. It helps you to be prayed for. It helps those things that you need to grow to take place in your life. But because I want to honor God, and because I want to be with God's people. And so God said, because of all these things that I've done, because I've welcomed you into my presence, and because I've said that when you gather together in my name, I'm there among you in a very special way, you ought to have a longing in your heart that you can't stand to be away. And see, that's what we want to create. The atmosphere that we want to create in our church is that people, when they miss, they want to feel bad. Bad. We want them to feel horrible. Not because... Of anything except for the fact, you know, I know I missed what God did today. God was working in his people. And God was moving some things. And, and I miss that. And, and I don't want to miss what God's doing. It doesn't hurt if we miss what you and I are doing. But God's doing things. And God wants to do things. And we need to keep that in mind. And so we want to be here and we want to assemble together and we want to worship together and praise together and laugh together and cry together and pray for one another and encourage one another and uplift one another and help each other meet day by day those ex- episodes of life that come that sometimes are overwhelming. But we can meet them because, we first and foremost, we have the Lord God in us and with us. But secondly, because we have brothers and sisters that are going to gather us up in their arms of love and prayer and they're going to walk through that experience with us so that we don't have to do it by ourselves we need each other and we were created in fellowship as a family of god to be together so the commitments of 2022 are really the commitments of a lifetime of christ with christ let's draw near to god let's have a heart of worship that we want to get to know god better and love him more And let's stay faithful. Faithful to the truths that we know to be God's word. Don't be going to and fro, but rather stand firm upon the word of God and be faithful to him and his word and to one another. And let's spur each other on to, good, to love and good deeds. Let's encourage each other. I don't know, how we do that all the time because sometimes one, you know, you, you need encouraging more than anybody else and somebody doesn't see it but even when we need it we need to somehow find within ourselves by the work of the Spirit of God the ability to go ahead and offer somebody else encouragement because sometimes just being encouraging to someone else can be that which lifts us up ourselves the Bible says in fact David encouraged himself in the Lord in times when he really needed something from someone And then let's just be, let's just make a commitment to the best of our ability. I know things happen. And we don't, you're not graded on perfect attendance. Thankfully. But we can determine to the best of our ability that we're going to be together with God's people every chance we get. We're going to try our best worship together with God's people as the scripture tells us to and it tells us that he said even more in these last days and we all know our world gets worse and worse on a daily basis conditions situations lifestyles are all going farther and farther from the direction God wants us to be and that's why it's so important that we come together And help each other. Help each other. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think together about your word and all that you have said to us and the truths that you've given to us, I thank you for the fact that you have made yourself available to us through Jesus Christ. That we can come into your presence without hesitation. We can come boldly. We can come there because you have forgiven us of our sins and and remembered them no more because you've invited us to you even as you came to us first and called us by name and loved us first so so that we could love you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me to have a more worshipful attitude, to draw near to you in all the days of my life, not just on Sunday mornings. God, I pray that you would help us to be more faithful to your word and more faithful to our commitments that we make Commitments that we make to each other, commitments that we make at work or wherever it may be, but especially our commitment that we've made to you. And God, help us to be encouragers. Teach us how to lift each other up and and pray for each other and encourage each other and strengthen each other and just pour courage into each other, helping somebody to believe they can be more than what they are or that goal that's in front of them, that they can believe in it and, and they can move forward because they can be encouraged they have that possibility within them. And God, just give us a hunger to be together as your people. Draw us together in fellowship and worship, in praise and prayer, in heartache, in need, whatever it may be. May we just long to be together as the family of God. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.